Hey, Nerd Talk Nation. This is your host, Jordan Halstead. We are going to have a great podcast. We're all in great moods today. So with that, we are talking about Blue Beetle. It is a new film from DC that recently came out. And so Mike and Alicia are here with me. Um, and we're going to be talking Blue Beetle. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're here. <laughs> Just like the Blue Beetle movie, you're here. Like we've we've been waiting on this for a while and, and mm-hmm. we're here. So... Let's let's start with this. What were your expectations when you heard Blue Beetle was getting a movie? Um, I I would say that this is probably a character neither of you have probably heard of before. Am I am I correct in that guess? Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Okay. So having a no name superhero um, to to general public um, to the to the average moviegoer, someone who goes and sees all the Marvel movies, is, is getting used to some of those C D E F G list superheroes to go into DC where they're not so established like Marvel is to get a no name like this. What are your thoughts? How, what were your expectations going in Alicia? Um, honestly, I didn't have a whole lot of expectation cause I didn't know what to expect. It was okay. okay this is DC. Let's be honest. I'm not going to get my hopes up for it to be good. Um, just frankly, speaking, which is sad that we have to say that I, I absolutely agree. It is. Sad. Cause I, um, I would argue DC's got better characters than than marvel does um comic book wise i think that they've they've got this pantheon of like gods um Mm -hmm. like like mythology wise and marvel is very down to earth and i feel like there's so much more and storytelling that could happen but when it comes to movies we're like we didn't really have high hopes like it's a dc film yeah it's absolutely sad i agree it's it's yeah there's no other word for it really i think it's just it's sad that we go in with those lack the lack of expectation because we don't really know or have a perception that it's going to be any good but i will say that i like going in that way i was i was pleasantly surprised michael what do you think i'll real quick before micah hops in i want to say in 15 years we went from let's go see the new batman movie because the dark knight to it's a Mm -hmm. dc film so yeah. I just thought about that. I was like, you know, it wasn't always this way. We had the Dark Knight, True. and people people were ramping and raving about this film. Um, Micah, what what are your thoughts, bud? I have a lot of thoughts, so get ready. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I I kind of Jordan, I took a page out of your book, my friend, uh, and I went into this movie with no expectations whatsoever, and it was. And you enjoyed it, didn't you? Yes. And let's do that. Okay. Yes. And. Yeah. I, you know, like you said, kind of in the intro, neither of us really knew who the character Blue Beetle was. And when I asked you a couple of weeks ago before the movie came out, I was like, you know, can you tell me about Blue Beetle? Not a lot of people know about him. What's his character? What's his origin? You know, and basically the way that you defined it to me is that, you know, Blue Beetle is the DC version of Spider-Man, but not. It's like a mutant bug you know, take yeah. over your body, you know, the suit becomes him and he becomes the suit kind of thing. Sort of like, you know, spider get, Spider-Man getting bit by spider and, you know, the different ways they tell that story. There's a lot um, of parallels, yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, going into the film, you know, uh, this is one of the few films in the last couple of years where you actually got to see it before we did. Um, and we... I think you went and saw it opening night and we went and I saw, saw it, it opening night and you guys saw it Saturday. Yeah, we saw it Saturday. So... Um, when you called me on Friday and you're like, I don't want to spoil it for you. So I just wanted to, you know, I wanted you to see it before we talk about it. You know, the one thing you said was like, you may not, the, one of the things that may throw you off or 
turn you off to the movie is that the the cultural differences, like yes. not like not like racial tension or anything. What I mean by cultural differences is it's just like a very different movie ethnically because it's not going to speak to you because you don't know the history, the background. It, that's not what you were raised with. Where they, however, will. however, I couldn't mm-hmm. agree less because I I just felt right at home when I watched the movie because I was just like, man, I want to be a part of this family and I want to be a part of this circle. And I want to be, you know, the only thing, well, minus like they're all up in each other's business and that's just not my life. I don't like to be up. Yeah. So like that was the only caveat. So like I was just pleasantly surprised with how good this movie was. And uh, you and I've had several conversations about DC offline you know, off the podcast, off the record button. But it's like watching this movie, I leaned over and looked at Alicia and I said, you know, this really reminds me a lot of like the first Ant-Man movie. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the very first Iron Man movie. It gave mm-hmm. me a lot of those feels or vibes, whatever you want to call them, of the early MCU. And I told you when I called you the day after, or the day we saw it or the day after, or whenever we talked um, after seeing the movie, it was like, why didn't they do this first? Why mm-hmm. haven't they done this formula from the beginning? And it very much felt like an origin story, which it was, but it felt like an origin story that was going to launch something bigger and better like they did with Iron Man. And so yeah. I was like, wow, why has not, you know, why has DC not done this for the last 15 years? And I think the answer to that question, I mean, there's probably, you know, you can answer this question in 30 different ways, but like I told Chad today at work, cause he asked me if I saw it. I was like, you know why? Because Blue Beetle wasn't Batman and Blue Beetle wasn't Superman and Blue Beetle wasn't Wonder Woman. So like when you think of DC, right? Who do you think of? Batman, Superman, <laughs> Superman Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. And then like, you know, your casual villain. You might, yeah, you might get a couple others in the mix, but those are your, your big three. And when you think of villains, you think of Lex Luthor, you think of the Joker, you think of things like that that go along with the story of you know, Superman or Batman or et cetera. Right. So like with this, it was like, wow, why couldn't DC do this? And when you and I talked on the phone this afternoon, you know, without going down this huge rabbit speculation, uh, rabbit hole of speculation of like, why does DC do this? And why do they make the decisions about, you know, the product and the content they put out and who's in charge and what's the better story and X, Y, Z it's, I really wish they would just make movies and not connect them. I think that's what it boils down to for me. Like DC could have all along not been a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tried to try, be Marvel. To, try to be Marvel. Try to create a cinematic universe and just create content. And I think that would have been more successful for them in the long run. And if, and if I can add this, I, I'm I'm sad that this movie came out before the reset. Because mm-hmm. they did a really good job with this one. And now it's going to just be movies. So, fun fact, I've been watching how James Gunn is talking about it. It is not the first movie in his shared universe. But it's going to be part of the canon. But it's going to be part of canon. So, so they will do like a soft reset with some things. But basically, this kind of is the first. It's just not going to be his first official movie. Mm-hmm. Like, with, with the timeline of everything, like Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, that's supposed to come out later this year. Um, that's it's not going to hit cause. the same one. Yeah. <laughs> Aquaman, the lost cause. I like. Yikes. So is that what we're going to, is that what we're going to call it when we do that episode? <laughs> the Aquaman lost and the lost cause. Well, all the reports that I've been reading about people, early screenings, and whatnot, it said like unwatchable. That's how unwatchable bad it is. and terrible. Yeah. 
I think I think if you really sit back and you and you see how little connections there were um, to the established DC universe, I think this is going to be a movie that will help in the long run with the next like as they restart and they do Superman Legacy and all these characters show up. Um, because I know that uh, James Gunn said, no, Blue Beetle is is like this guy sticking around. Because um, I think I might mess his name up. Zolo, um, I think he's going to show up a lot more moving forward um, as as Jaime Reyes, which I'm really cool with that. Like, I, I'm totally fine if we have like a, a young adult Jaime Reyes. Um, oh. We don't need a teenager. I feel like trying to keep a teenager is really difficult um, if you're not willing to put basically the same character in every single year for X amount of years. Well, I think the struggle too that I I find with what DC tried to do with connecting stories is they didn't do a great job at it, right? So like, and what I mean by that is like, you know, we talk a lot about in the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe the the concept of buddy movies, right? Falcon had Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and Thor had Banner, and Iron Man had Spider Man, and vice versa, and like you have all these pairings to make people mean more and the arc of story building. And then in the DC universe, like it was Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. And yes, in justice, like you get, you, you get cyborg and you get flash, but it's like, it's not, that's all like, that's the biggest culmination of characters and superheroes in the DC universe that we got period. So like, yeah. it'd be interesting if they take a new approach, if James Gunn and, you know, yes, in fact, moves forward with this and they actually do a reboot and they actually, you know, follow through with what they say. But I'm here to tell you, friends, like I, I'm not super confident in anything moving forward, like not just DC, but Marvel, Star Wars, anything, because it's just the movie industry is just not what it was. And you and I had this conversation the other day, Jordan. Yeah, you know, back to the the question I asked you guys, for me, I read Blue Beetle comics. And so walking in, I was kind of trying to make sure that I didn't walk in with expectations because I know how poorly DC's done and I know how poorly we've connected, but I wanted this to be a really cool movie. And so I, I've kind of taken a will approach to some of this. I don't watch a lot of trailers anymore. Um, I just, I've, I've been staying away from that. I'm like, you know, it's not hard for me to, to just sit back and just relax. No big deal. We'll just, we'll figure it out as we go. And next thing I know I'm walking in. I was like, wait, who's the villain in this movie? Like I'd been so unplugged. I didn't know who the villain was going to be walking in. And the opening credits just start rolling when they do the the intro and they're, they're shooting the scarabs out everywhere. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this because this might tell me what I need to know. Um, I, I recently started rewatching all of Marvel's films. And so I, I booked it through uh, phase one and I remember in Incredible Hulk they did that they basically set the story up of how he was created in that five seconds of shots like like there's a very quick like you catch the story and you you know where you're at mm-hmm. and so I was like I wonder if they're going to do that here and so I started reading things I was looking for things um, did you guys see the green blur that hit the the green or, or the the blue beetle as he right before he busts through the planet I don't know if you guys even saw that. You told There's me about moment. it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see it. And I don't think I caught it. Okay. So it's, it's one of those like Eagle eye fans, like me, um, DC fanatics, just you, you'll catch it. If, if you're really in DC. Um, and if you're going to go back and rewatch it, like I highly encourage you to, to, to pay attention to this, but 
but there's a moment where a blast of green light hits it and it kind of shoots off course a little bit and then it heads into earth and all that. That green light is a green lantern. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like normal fans are not going to even recognize. They might, they might guess that, oh, hey, that's green lantern. Um, but what they don't realize is that the reach who blue beetles with and green lantern are opposing factions. Like they have galactic war and things like that. Like it's there, there's, there's history there between the two. And so it's really cool to see how they introduce that within just a split second of footage. And then they start kind of showing the, the footage of OMAC. And I was like, wait, one man army corps in this. Are we serious? Like, no way we're going to get OMAC in this as the villain. And while OMAC really wasn't the villain as much as he was the muscle, um, kind of like the the let's go back to one of Micah's favorites, um, Batman and Robin, and you get to to Bane and you get to Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze and all all these characters. Like Bane was the muscle; he wasn't really the the brains of that operation. And I feel like OMAC did a lot of that. Um, I mean, he was smart. Don't get me wrong, but like he was not your villain, the the aunt. Um, I forget what her first name is, but Cord. Um, she was she was the villain in this film, and I, I was not expecting the the changes they made because in comics, it's actually one of his friends's aunt who is like a head faction lady. But they they incorporated that story with the cords, and I thought that was a cool way to blend that. Um, and what I've learned through Marvel is not to take everything and be like, oh, we have to have an exact story. Um, how many years have I been telling you, Micah, I hate Civil War because it's not like page for page. Like I, like I, I want more of that comic book um, story there where they took so many liberties and that's why I don't like it. Um, and so I, I tried really hard to not hold them to the source material and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like just not having expectations helped me. Yeah, and I think, too, that, like, it was just, it was such a rewarding experience, you know, and I think in the Western, the Western world, it's rare that people have such a good relationship with their families. Yeah. And this family just loved each other to the best of their abilities. No matter what they were going through, they wanted to support each other. They were going to, they were basically losing their home. Um you know, I don't want to jump into that conversation for a minute, but like the whole family dynamic of this movie was one of the things that made me appreciate it more. Um, yeah. I mean, you have, I don't know, Bruce Wayne has Alfred, right? And um, I'm thinking of others. Like, it's just, it's not like you're. Well, um, the Flash has like a godfather and depending on what iteration he's even got like Joe West in the Flash. He's he, he's got characters. Well, and uh, Spider-Man just has Aunt May and like like most of these characters only uh-huh. have one one close family member to them, right? And so this movie was all about family and you know the how they had each other's backs no matter what they were going through. And so um you know they well, were they basically made like an unofficial team. Yes. Like it, like it was like, instead of just having the guy in the chair or whatever, like you had, uh, I forget what was, what was George Lopez's character's name? Uh, Rudy. Uncle Rudy. Yeah. Yeah. When Rudy comes in and he, he's like, you just got to kick it. And like, he, he basically jams their transmission. Like blue beetle couldn't have done that, but he, he had someone who, who he could. And it's, 
it kind of helps with the idea of like, I know a guy who can do this. Like, I don't have to do it by myself where Batman and Superman are, are guys who know I do this by myself. Like, yes, I've got Alfred in the cave. Yes. I've got mom, Pa Kent, if I need to go and talk to them, but like, really this, this was, Hey, I'm going to lean on them as I'm trying to figure this thing out. Well, and I think too, that like, I enjoyed, and Alicia and I were talking about this on the way home before we jumped on the call with you, but the, the idea of the family dynamic, but like at different points in the movie, they were funny, right? Rudy's hilarious, right? Oh my gosh, he stole the show. But the grandma's Mm -hmm. hilarious. So is, but so is the sister at the beginning of the movie. She's just like basically narking him out, you know, like making fun of, you know, making fun of her brother in front of the pretty girl and, you know, just like. Just really being, you know, a big sister or a younger sister and being obnoxious back to the family dynamic. Like they had each other's backs. Also, they just they played well off of each other. Like the whole cast was just outstanding. Stellar. Well, mm-hmm. even the dad. Um, and, yes. and, you know, we, we try to give time in between episodes and their release date. So that way we when we do spoil things. Um, so <laughs> that way, all of you out there who are listening, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go see it. Um, but, it, you know, it was really cool to see how even the dad had such an important part before he died. And even after he died, he kind of Uncle Bend it. Like, there's just that piece of my my time here was to help you get through this moment. I'm here at this spot to help you get to your next spot. And like, he just, he kind of, without doing a, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, he kind of did his own thing and... And I was very appreciative of that because I'm like, you know, we we don't often see that Um, the older you get, the more alone things get. And it's like, you know, you have we always talk about this uh, off off uh, when we're not recording. But, you know, chosen family, Um, sometimes sometimes your family's not exactly as you want it to be, not exactly um, who you need it to be. But sometimes your chosen family is. And and this one, their family was also their chosen family. Like they wanted to be around each other. They wanted to, to help each other out. And it was, it was cool to see like he wasn't alone through it. And even as a young adult who, I mean, he was, I would say probably 22, 23 um, as a graduate from, from high or from college. Um, So he's, he's not too much younger than I am. And just to know like where I was um, when that happened, I'm just like age wise, I'm like, man, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I I really enjoyed the family aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that yeah. Alicia, go ahead. No, I, I, there's not much more I can add. It is, it's nice to see. It, it's refreshing to see family that you can tell love each other and appreciate each other, and and to see that kind of come alive on screen was just it was just really refreshing. Well, and if I could add like the chosen family and like you know an actual family like take take the Justice League or take the Avengers take that take any group or partnership you want that we've watched over the years. And that I would say that like Banner, Thor, Valkyrie, Loki, you know, like in Ragnarok, that was a chosen family. Like they're all like together. They're a group of friends. I mean, the only real family is, you know, Loki and Thor, but like they're, they were a chosen family, you know, same thing with the Avengers, but for this guardians were the guardians misfit toys. Right. But like for this, I'm so going to call them that from now on. The Misfit Toys. The Misfit Toys. The Guardians of the Galaxy. But I mean, like, <laughs> That's this this was legitimate family. Like, it wasn't 
I mean, it was. What, what I think also is really cool is it also shows that, you know, family doesn't have to be broken. Yes. Like so 100%. often we see that, you know, broken families and that you can overcome a broken family, you can overcome the loss of your parents, you can overcome all these things. And <clears throat> when when you go in and you look at, I want to be represented and and all these people who want different representation, whether it's uh, from ethnic to religious to whatever it is, I think it is so special to know that my family who, well, yes, we have our problems, um, all families do, but me and my family were represented because there was no death in that group um, at the beginning of this film. Like he didn't come in and say, oh, I lost all these things. Like <clears throat> I had to do it by myself. He was loved and his parents gave what they could to make sure that he saw his dreams come true. Like the literal opening is, yeah, let's tell him that that we lost the shop. We're going to lose the house and all these things are happening. And and he's like, I would have came home. And they're like, no, we, we wanted you to graduate. You're the first Reyes to to graduate. And then, like you said, the sister coming in and being the the, the sister that she is and saying, well, uh, you're the last one to graduate as well. <laughs> I just I, I thought that was great the writing the writing was just so relatable um mm-hmm. and and I loved the way that that family family dynamic was can, can I go back to the cultural thing for a minute yeah yeah absolutely I you know we hear so much about controversial you know issues within our country whether it's diversity or lack thereof or um racism or you know systemic racism like different terms of of yeah you know conflict within different races but like i watched this movie and it was very much a you know of a you know latino background very um hispanic and culture and you said that you took a friend from from your church with you when you went and saw it and he's from a he's a hispanic background he's hispanic. actually from mexico yes okay so like something that i appreciated about this film was that like yes it was family but like I watched it knowing that there was, you know, a Hispanic background, like a, you know, a Latino ethnicity or a flair to the film, but like watching it, Jordan, I didn't feel like I was watching a Latin film. If that makes sense. It made me feel like I was a part of it. It didn't matter mm-hmm. the color of my skin. It didn't matter yeah. my background or anything like that. If that makes <clears throat> sense. I don't know if I'm making sense when I say that. Yeah, but- no, it, it makes perfect sense. And and for all of our listeners real quick, when I called him, it was more of a, there are just things that we're not going to understand because like they brought in the, uh, what's the superhero, the Mexican superhero. Um, he had like a CH on there, um, but he was a, a art, a cartoon superhero from, oh gosh, long, long time ago. But my buddy David had told me, he's like, listen, Jordan, you're probably not going to understand this, but that is a huge icon in Mexico. Um, he's like the one Mexican superhero because he's from Mexico, written by Mexicans who like this. This is a part of my history. I grew up watching him. And so I was really excited to see that. And I was like, that's so cool. Like you, your history, your he, he was like, yeah, dude, I don't watch a lot of superhero movies. So I was really surprised to see something that I knew in there. Um, and I was like, it's cool to see that your history and your, your background, your growing up, um, it's a part of it. And I, I, I just thought it was really, really cool the way that, that was, was handled. Mm-hmm. So with getting into kind of the, I don't know, the weeds or the politics of the whole, the box office movie theater conversation, 
um, as I was scrolling through my my browser while we were talking, they've been really hammering Blue Beetle for what it's made opening weekend as far as money is concerned. Yes, $24 million in the opening weekend. It's 25.4, according to the one I just saw. Okay. Black Adam that, made six, that should be domestic, right? Yes. Domestic okay. weekend, right? Black Adam made 67 million. The Flash made 55 million. Shazam 30? 30.1. And then Blue Beetle made 25.4. I'm getting a little I'm getting a little tired of the conversation of, of how much money this movie made or that movie made. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. I don't think it matters how much it makes. Well, and, let's, and, and, let's, and it, I, I, no, I just I'm getting really tired <clears throat> of that conversation, and they're just blaming it on people not going to the theaters. And it's like, well, if you really want to get into the the the, the nitty gritty of this conversation, if you didn't lock our country down for two years with COVID, like our movie theaters were dying before COVID, right, and before the pandemic. However. COVID expedited that. And it makes me really upset because I like going to the movies. Alicia likes going to the movies. Jordan, you mm. like going to the movies. Oh, I love but, going to the movies. But it's a dying concept now, especially when I can pick up this TV remote and pull up Amazon Prime or pick up HBO Max or pick up Disney Plus and just say, hey, I want to buy that movie. And I can sit in my living room in the comfort of my own home and watch a movie without having to spend $56 at the theater like Alicia and I did last weekend to go see a movie. For yeah. two adults to go see a matinee <clears throat> on a Saturday, we spent $56. When I can buy my popcorn. Yes. Well, I was talking to my buddy <laughs> Salvador. <laughs> I was talking to my buddy Salvador, who's got four kids, mm-hmm. him and his wife, and they're on one income. And he said, when I go to the movies, Jordan, I don't get to just go choose whatever movie I want to go see. Not that he's a huge movie buff. Um, he really doesn't one for care. everybody. He has to choose one that's that's geared towards his kids, and his kids are like, I think his oldest is like 10 or 11. Um, And so all the way down to his youngest, who is, he just turned two. So like you have to find something that's a little bit more friendly for, for his group, for his family. So more than likely that's going to be a Disney film and, and movies, like you said, for two of you, it was about 50 some dollars. His family, I think he said to, to get like matinee tickets and all that, it still cost him like, a hundred bucks by the time everything was completely done. Yeah. And, and so like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and back to like, and it's not, I think it's a combination of two things, right? One COVID COVID didn't help it, but then there's a lack of interest in going to a theater because there's a convenience of streaming. Oh, and absolutely. Like you texted me earlier this summer. Um, Alicia and I had every intentions on going to see, to see fast 10 and you texted me. You're like, it's going to be on streaming next week. And I'm like, I'm not gonna go spend fifty bucks if I if I just order it on my my TV or whatever and just watch it tomorrow in my living room. Well, do you yeah. ever wonder too, like if that's why people don't go is because they're like, well, in like five weeks it's gonna be well that I, th- I, I think I think a big part of it is because there's that convenience again. Like I think originally mm-hmm. it was probably the COVID conversation because people don't want to be around each other and people wanted social distancing and they didn't want to be out. I think we got comfortable with it. Yes. And so like mm-hmm. then the convenience is a big piece of that because, you know, Jordan, when you buy something like when you pre-order something on iTunes for Plex, mm-hmm. how much does it cost for on iTunes to pre-reserve? Like, let's just say the Flash. How much did you spend on the Flash? I, uh, 20 bucks. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine plus tax. Okay. So twenty twenty one forty two, roughly. Yeah. So we spent fifty six dollars the other day to go to the theater. If I can wait four or five weeks. After something's been in the theater, I mean, now, now take it now. Now, 
we we you know do our best to go see stuff in real time. And when new comp, you know, projects come out, we cover the, you know, the content on, on nerd talk. However, there are certain movies, like, what was it? We saw something. We saw a trailer and we're like, Oh, that looks really good. But we're like, we're not going to spend money on that. At least I don't know if you remember that, but like we, we were like, nope, we'll just wait until it comes out to streaming. Cause like, well, was it Indiana and there Jones? Been, <laughs> we, uh-huh. we didn't go see Indiana Jones actually. Well, so. and there have been some that like, we've gone to like, we, we are like, okay, we're going to wait a couple of weeks. Like we don't go see opening weekend and we go to look it up and Oh, they already pulled it from the theater. So it's like, well, I guess we have to wait now. Yeah. Well, I will argue this as well. I think that not only is price and the fact that streaming has, has kind of just taken over. I just don't know if people want to be cooped up anymore. I think that movies are not as, as I think we're, we're losing our attention span and so many movies take forever to build. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and DC doesn't have a great track record. And are you guys aware that DC is dropping four live action films this year shazam 2 came out in march then we had june we had the flash Flash. we had august blue beetle and then aquaman the lost cause in december and it's gonna be i'm making that (laughs) stick um but but really if you look at it that's four movies in a failed franchise i'm gonna call it like it is like dc is not marvel Marvel started to push a ton of movies each year and started to realize that they couldn't. And then DC was like, yeah, forget that. We're just going to go ahead and do this. Now, I will also say this. We have to remember that Blue Beetle was not initially designed for theatrical release, and they did not promote it like it was supposed to be in theatrical release. What what I Because I looked at the marketing on it. They actually pulled marketing for, if, was it Shazam?, or it was either Shazam or Aquaman. They're they're not putting the money on those and Blue Beetle, so that way they could promote the Flash. Well, they promoted the Flash, and the Flash bombed. Um, it was it wasn't as well received as as it could have been. It wasn't there. There were a lot of issues with that. And you mean we, Batman? We dis- Michael Keaton's Batman yeah. featuring the Flash? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's exact. The 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 Flash. The Flashes. Have been Grant Gustin. <laughs> the Flashes. Michael Michael Keaton's Batman featuring the Flashes. <laughs> the lightning so anyways, the light <laughs> Batman and his zoomies that's basically what that was they were just zooming around um yeah no I I, I think that if you're not going to market it and you're not going to promote it and you're not going to make the time and we don't deserve some of this stuff like why why are you pushing four films a year in okay from 2013 the next film that came out in the DC universe was Batman versus Superman in 2016. That same year we got Suicide Squad. Then 17, we got Wonder Woman and Justice League. 18. I don't think we got anything. I don't remember. Uh, oh, no. 18, we got uh, Shazam. Or 19, we got Shazam. And then 20, we got Birds of Prey. And then 21, we got the Suicide Squad. And then 22. The Batman. The Batman and Black Adam. 23, we've gotten four films this year. There are more films this year than in like half that slate in 10 years. (laughs) And they're not well produced. They're not well put together. And people, 
why, why would you go and you brought a new hero most people don't know of. You're not going to get that. You're not going to strike gold like you did back in 2008 with Iron Man. Some people knew Iron Man. Some people didn't. This one, very few do um, outside of Hispanic culture um, because this is one of those few Latino heroes that just crush it uh, on on graphic novels, comics, and all that, and to be well represented in a movie. Like I walked into my theater and out of like 30, 40 people in this IMAX theater that seats probably 200, the majority were Latino. Um, which is, which is great. I love, I love that they, they came out for that movie. Um, and they, they really represented there, but it's like, you know, 30, 40 in a opening night at eight fifty, there should have been way more people. And I just think that it's dying. I, I just, there, there's a million reasons that it's dying, but I, like you're, you're failing by not promoting the right films by, by giving us crappy movies and, and by over stuffing one year, just because you're not going to have any movies next year. Well, and we were we were in the theater, and we did a Saturday show, and it was like it was like one thirty or two o'clock or something, like an afternoon matinee. Yeah, and like we were one of we were two of four people total. Wow. Well, in the last I, I would say year, Alicia and I have went and saw Blue Beetle, The Flash, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. What else? What, are, what is it? Champions. Wasn't that this year? Yeah. yeah. So yep. like, so Champions with Woody Harrelson. That was Ant-Man. not on the board, DC. Quantum Mania. Yeah. 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 I think so. Well, yeah. uh, Wakanda Forever last fall. Like out of the six movies that I, I just um, uh, named, the most people in the theater were, were there for Champions. And Champions isn't even a Marvel or a DC movie. Yeah, the I don't remember movie. seeing a whole lot of champions on marketing. <laughs> like, I, like I, we went to a Saturday night showing because we were going to go rewatch. We were going to go see Quantum Mania again. At least was like, no, let's go see this because I kind of wanted to see that. And I'm so glad we did because it's a hysterical movie. It's really, <laughs> so good. really good. But like we went in and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's it's 2018 and mm-hmm. the movie theater is full. Yeah. <laughs> and. Other than that, like, I mean, there might have been 12, 13 people in there for Wakanda Forever. There might have been, I don't know, eight of us in there for Quantumania. Guardians 3, I think, had more than what we've, we've, more than what we've been seeing, but less than when we saw Champions. And then um, Flash had maybe five, six people in there. Yeah, definitely less than 10. And then, uh, because I like, I try to count when we go in just to see how many people are in there. And then, you know, like I said, or I'm sorry, like Alicia said, um, Diane and her son, Diane is the coffee shop in town was actually at the movie theater. Yeah. And with her son, we knew. So it was literally the four of us in the same theater watching Blue Beetle. So anyway, going back to Blue Beetle, you know, after ranting about, you know, how. Yeah, we went way off in the rabbit trail. That's OK. That is a OK. Totally fine. But back to Blue Beetle. I think that this movie did not deserve the lack of attention it got. I think this this film was done really, really well. It felt very, felt very much like you said, like Ant Man and, and uh, Iron Man. But I would argue it even kind of felt like with Deadpool, um, just kind of lower budgets, not focusing real hard on certain areas, um, and making the team be a little bit more creative. And I think that that's honestly what it should be. I think you should not be pulling on 
hey, we've got the budget. Let's go blow $120 million, um, on this movie. I think it'd be great if we started seeing them have to, because I think that was one of the reasons I didn't like Deadpool 2 was they gave it way more money. I like them having to write better and not rely on, oh, hey, we're bringing in star power. Hey, we're bringing in um, a bunch of visual effects. Like, no, I think you should definitely write these amazing stories. And I, I think que- that Blue Beetle was was that way. I have a question. Do you think that... I know the answer to this question when you answer it. But, like, do you think that they over... A, do they overspend? Yes, is the answer to that. But B, do you think that they just overestimate like attendance revenue and they just oh, think yeah. that i think that they think things are worth way more than they are and they take a gamble on what they're actually going to make and then they're like pissed off when they don't they don't even come close it's like okay tw- blue beetle opening weekend made 25.4 million dollars right what if they spent 250 million dollars on this film and production and everything and they only end up making 120 Right. So now you're short a hundred and what thirty million dollars. So you've overshot your budget by a hundred and thirty million dollars. Well, whose fault's that? You're the one who took the gamble on it. And back to the conversation with why did they put four projects out this year? <laughs> then then they wonder why they're in the the hole that they're in financially. It doesn't well, have go ahead. Sorry. Uh, you, you also have to remember, like I said earlier, Blue Beetle was not designed to be a theatrical release. Yeah, it was it was supposed to be for HBO Max. Well, what happened to HBO Max? It was not released, um, or it, it got trashed and got absorbed into what is it? Max? It's Max is that the now. new series? Yeah, mm-hmm. Max. So so they've got a whole DC area that there's, there's just a lot of things that you can you can figure out and talk about. And I mean, we could trash DC all day if we wanted to, um, but ultimately, I think that they do overestimate. Um, I think they overestimate how much a character's worth. I think they overestimate how much, I I think that they're still trying to operate pre COVID ideas. I don't think that, okay. So, so we both, Mike and I have, have worked in churches and in COVID through COVID, if it taught us nothing else, it taught us that we have to be flexible and adaptable, um, to how ministry is. And it, it, it will never look the same like what it did. Um, we can get it close but there are certain things that are going to come up that we have new operating procedures we have new ways that we have to do certain things that we used to do that you know we could get away with throwing a pig tongue um and and taking a bite out of it or anything like like we we could do that kind of stuff as like ultimate frisbee with a pig tongue like we could do that but now it's not going to be as accepted um, because if we're all putting our mouths on a, on a pig tongue, like we could be sharing germs and people freak out. And I think with COVID and the theater, they didn't adapt. Um, the movie industry did not adapt the same way. And, and I think they, they overextended during COVID by sending immediate home releases. Remember when, uh, uh, Black Widow came out and mm-hmm. you could order it for 20 bucks and have it like two months earlier than the rest of the crowd. Yeah, I was like, heck yeah, I'll do that because that's me and Katie. We could easily just sit down and, and watch a movie and um, no big deal. And I, I probably watched it two or three times while I had it because I paid the 20 bucks. I was like, no big deal. I did the same for the Mulan movie. I had an overnighter with kids and I, I paid that. And they had, they had started that right before COVID or, or no, no, no. The, uh, they started that during COVID and all that. Um, but 
as everything's just kind of falling into place, they're trying to go back to old stuff and they're, they're overestimating how many people are coming to theaters and, you know, big cities, you're going to get bigger numbers, but they may not go and see it a million times like we did with Avengers or with the dark Knight. Like you're not going to see that unless you push out some quality stuff. And, and right now with the writer's strike and, and with the past year and a half, two, three years, it's really just, it's not the same. I don't know. It's just really frustrating when they, they, they just, it almost feels like they pin the blame on the fans, us, the fans, when a movie doesn't go well. Well, yeah, because it's your you fault. Want, the three of us, well, the three of us, yeah. The three of us can go see a movie 20 times, but it's still ain't going to cover the difference from, the, you know, in the analogy I used earlier, spending $250 million on a movie and only making $100 million and being short $150 million. Like, it's just... Well, go ahead, sorry. No, go, go ahead. I say, well, you talk about like, it, are they putting the blame on us? Well, we're the monster that they created. Yeah. Um, excuse me. I'm the mutant they created. I don't mutant like the word monster. monster. Whatever. So, okay. But <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, you know, you're a big fan of costume designs and whatnot. Like, what did you think of a suit? I was actually about to lean into okay, that. Great. I was going to ask, like, I, I was like, let's talk about the suit. Um, I loved the visual effects. One issue that I, I still don't know where I stand on it is his mouth. Um, in animation and, and some of the comics, he has an open mouth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know where I land on it because I'm kind of okay with it being more protective gear. And it's kind of like the Iron Man helmet. Um, there is that liberty there and I'm okay to give it to them, but I'm like, ah, I would have loved to see his mouth move instead of just like the jaw dropping like Spider-Man. Um, where you, if you know what I'm saying, I was going to say it, it reminded me a lot of like a good combination of one of the Iron Man suits. And then like when, uh, Peter and Spider-Man, Peter is Spider-Man, but I'm talking about like the suit in infinity war when he finally gets the legs and whatnot. And he the has Iron Spider? The yeah, the Iron Spider and the Nanotech. It reminded me, like, I was like, did Tony Stark and you know design the suit for DC? <laughs> That's what I was thinking in the theaters when I saw this. But like, it also kind of reminds me with the colors of the suit he designed for Pepper, right? Like the purple and the gold, and so like, it was a good combination. And like, one of my favorite things was when he, when you know, when he inherited the Beetle, right? Mm -hmm. Here, if I don't know if that's the right, a right term for it, but like, you know what I mean? Like when he, I guess, assumes becoming this character, um, I love how ignorant he was to not knowing how it worked. Like he had to just get used to it. And, um, you know, when he, he, he's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> he just starts flying around. Um, really enjoyed just the look of the suit. Don't know how I felt about the legs being so similar to the Spider-Man, the Iron Spider suit, but you know, those are minor things because there's a lot of parallels that run between Marvel and DC and different characters and whatnot. So Alicia, what did you think of the the suit? I like the suit. I like the coloring too. Um, it was all very like nineties vibe to me. Uh, like the neon colors that you kind of see throughout the film as well. But I, I love that, like what you said that he kind of just had to learn on the fly, like what the suit could do. Um, and at the point where he realized that the suit could create any weapon that he imagined, I thought that was really funny. It felt very like Spider-Man to me because that was really the same way that Peter Parker reacted to a lot of the things 
for that, for his suits that Tony made for him. So I liked it. The one thing that I, I didn't like storytelling wise regarding his suit, they talk about how the scarab is a like destroy the world. Like the, the that's what Dan Garrett and Ted Cord realized about about this character. Um, or about the scarab. And they kind of just leave it there. Like they it's kind of a throwaway line. And I'm like, how cool would it have been if the scarab and him have like an issue that they're trying to work out because I feel like the whole merging the two wavelengths together, like when they became one, like that, that was done in a a TV show called young justice. And when they brought blue beetle in, he, the, the scarab is actually supposed to be, um, it transforms you into a warrior. So yes, it does protect the host, However, it transforms the host into a straight up warrior for the reach. And it's it's actually they're supposed to like do this whole like universal like they're they're trying to take over the universe. Um, very Star Wars Galactic Empire kind of thing. And so as they were doing that, as they were creating this amazing suit, I think the way that they'll they'll do it if they continue this story with like a Blue Beetle 2, um, is when the Green Lantern hit it and it blew through the planet. And, and destroyed the moon, planet, whatever it is, the giant, giant rock ball in space. Um, I, it's supposed to malfunction, and it's supposed to not work properly, and that's why the human has more control than the suit does. And so, I'm really hoping that they'll they'll work that kind of more story wise, um, because he's James Gunn has said that Blue Beetle or not Blue Beetle, um, his DC universe is going to come off of Young Justice, and they're going to kind of play off that. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool if they do the the storylines, but with blue beetle, I just, I, I would have loved a little bit more interaction between him and his suit. Um, and I, I loved the moments where it's like your body is, uh, or all the heat is going to your, your mid region. Sure, he's like, yes. stop, stop. <laughs> cause, cause that, that is a lot of what happens in the comics and in his young justice and his, uh, like when his scarab and him talk, um, that's, that's kind of the vibe you get is it doesn't understand the, the social norms and what is okay to say to a human and what's not okay to say to a human. Yeah. Or the <clears throat> functions of a human body, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, just the alien aspect. And I, I love the way that that was, was treated. Um, but I think that a, a war, like a, like an internal war would have been really cool to see as well. Um, where he has to, to fight things out with, with his scarab before he got in sync with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's that's like the one issue that I really have with his suit. Um, but no, the the you can create anything with your mind. If you think it up, we can create it. I was like, yeah, that that's pretty cool. And I got to tell you, when he did the <clears throat> the sonic blasts, the he's like or he starts as guns and he's like, no fatalities. Mm-hmm. And it immediately turns into these sonic cannon things that had like a, a radio antenna with a ball at the end. I've seen that used. That's that's a that's a pretty common thing that he uses. And I'm like, he can change the frequency so he can break glass. He can like make it a short burst. He can make it a big booming burst. He can do all these things. So he's like sound tech and Mm -hmm. he used it. And I was like, yes. And then he brought out the staple gun um, hands where he starts shooting people and like it staples them to walls and things. And I was like, that's another big one that I've seen him use. And I was like, to see that visually, I felt like that was such a payoff as, as a blue beetle fan. I was like, you know, Chick, who's who's been on here many times, Chick is a huge Blue Beetle fan, 
<clears throat> and and he and I talked for years about what it would look like for a Blue Beetle movie. And uh, when it was announced, we were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And and so we 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 both probably have geeked out a million times over this kind of movie. And and just to know that like one of our favorites got something he deserved. Um, he was he was just done really really well. What I appreciate too, Mike, Mike and I kind of talked about this after the movie. I appreciate the humanity of him. Like he was like, don't kill anybody. Like he was really, he didn't want, he didn't, he didn't intentionally want to. He valued life. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Like he just, he didn't intentionally want to kill anybody. I mean, if it happened as a result of something, but he did what he could to make it not happen if it's possible. He did not want it to be on his hands. Yeah. Like, And I feel like we don't see that a lot. Yeah. I MCU very like Iron Man walks in in the first movie. He shoots all these terrorist bad guys. Um, He like lowers his arms and then his shoulder pads pop up and shoot everybody. The Hulk has no problem ripping apart people um, that are Hydra agents. Thor, not a big deal to walk on into a planet and just be like, yep, I'm Thor Odinson yeah watch out here i come i'm yeah. a bad mamma jamma like these guys who are, are big names don't don't mind and and dc i think in some regards have that sanctity for life but but he definitely had that of like no we're not going to hurt anybody um like we'll incapacitate but that's as far like i'm here just to protect my family mm-hmm. so yeah i i agree that was that was a cool touch so, so do you guys have you want to talk about your favorite character maybe not blue beetle but favorite side character of the of the film here's the real question are we going to choose anybody other than rudy or grandma (laughs) um (laughs) yes actually okay i really liked the love interest oh ted cord's daughter yeah yeah i thought she did a great job if i'm not mistaken jenny is actually created for this movie she's not in comics if I if I didn't pick her, I'd probably pick um, the sister because I thought she had a great role early on in the movie. I think she kind of lost def- lost a little bit towards the middle in the end, um, especially when she came dad. out strong. Yeah. Yes, like there was that really good chemistry, like sibling chemistry, and so um, I really enjoyed the the dynamic between between those two. But like, I really liked the love interest. Like, yeah, you could tell he liked her. He had a crush on her, and I, like it was like you know they were going to get together, but like they didn't just do it right at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like they, they played off it throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Alicia. <laughs> yeah. You posed uh, the question. <laughs> well, I mean, I could go with either, either Rudy or, or the grandma, but I guess I'll say with George Lopez, George Lopez is just, he's such a funny actor. Um, and Mike and I were talking, I mean, granted there's probably not a whole lot of Hispanic actors that are big enough names for them to like maybe pull some star power from. Um, but I think they picked the perfect person to play the perfect that crazy uncle. Yes. Yes. Everything from the hair to the, um, he was just such a, <laughs> you know, when I like weirdos, I mean, he's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of a weirdo. I just, he, from anything, everything from the hair to being kind of super secretive so you really never knew what he was up to, but then he has this device that can block signals. And so like you don't expect that from him. Like just, he doesn't look like somebody who would have that kind of knowledge um, to 
I don't know. He's just the crazy uncle. You know, I agree. I think I think my favorite side character because I, I want to say Jaime's my favorite character. So out of extra side characters, definitely Jaime or uh, definitely Rudy. Um, mm-hmm. Uncle Rudy just I, I loved the grandma. I loved the the the. I feel like the later half of the film was her film. Like the yeah. sister, the sister was definitely the front half, and like grandma was the back half. Um, yeah. But I, I think that just the whole Rudy was just there and. And he was vulnerable in certain moments where side characters aren't always vulnerable. It's kind of, they have to be the strong one for the main character and the main mm-hmm. character got to be the strong one for the, for the side character. And it just kept pulling back to that family value. Um, yeah. And this, this movie, I've already actually got it pre-ordered on iTunes. Um, I'm really excited I'm about shocked. it. <laughs> no, I, I got home from the movie and I went on iTunes and it was already up for pre-order. And I was like, yep, I'm pre-ordering. So <laughs> Well, and I have to say this too about Uncle Rudy. It, it took me a while to connect it, and I've, I'm kind of ashamed of myself for it. Um, but he kept calling his his truck Taco. And it's like, why is he why is he calling the truck Taco? And I was like, oh, it's a Tacoma. <laughs> I was slightly embarrassed, but it was more amused than anything. I I caught it while I was in the theater, but yeah, it it I was like, wait, why is he calling it Taco? And then I would yeah. purposely look, and then there was one spot where like they they kind of zoom in on it, and I was like, oh, it's a Tacoma. Oh, Tacoma, okay. yeah. I thought that was a funny touch. So if you were gonna rate it from one to ten, ten being highest, one being lowest, um, where where would you rate it, Alicia? Eight. Eight. Solid eight or like a wavering eight, like to 8.5 eight or 7.5. I would probably get a 7.5 before I went to 8.5, but I think I'm going to round up for this. So okay. eight, eight, Mr. Micah, 8.25. I mean, we typically just do the 0.5, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> 8.33. Three. I'd like to go with 3.1415265. I mean, just give it pie. I think, you know, yes, 8.25, 8.58, 8, somewhere okay. in the eight range, right? I think we talked about it at the top of the episode, and I won't take too much more time, but like the whole idea of like buddy movies or something involving the Justice League, right? The movies that had solo outings, like this, probably Blue Beetle or Shazam. The first Shazam were probably my favorite two DC films. Like that that were solo origin story yeah. outings. So yeah, I don't know if you would agree with that, but I think it's it's pretty close for me. I definitely would probably give it a eight, eight and a half right in there. Um I want to give it a nine, but there are certain parts that just kind of just kept it from there. Um, but no, it, it was solid, solid movie. Actually, you know what? I'm going to raise it. I'm going to say eight and a half to nine. I, I would, I'd give it a pretty high rating. I wouldn't give it a 10. I don't think it was perfect, but it was, it was definitely a really good film that I, it was better than Morbius in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I very wow. much enjoy Morbius. I, I talk very much and very highly about that film, but I, I really enjoyed this film. Um, and for being a non MCU superhero project and i'm just going to kind of lump all the other th- films together that are not mcu related um i just i really really liked it um probably one of my favorites in all of uh dc 
like all the the universe films and all that like it, it probably is my one of my favorites so very much very much enjoyed it so that's great stuff there. So guys, thank you so much for being a part of this episode and thank you for all the fans listening. Um, we're so excited to keep pushing out content and we've actually been scheduling out the rest of this year. So we're really, really excited to, to just have our schedule, know what we're doing. So um, keep up with us here on uh, our podcast. You can see us on Facebook. If you have a, an idea that you want to run by us, or if you want to be on an episode, go ahead and just reach out to us. Our email is nerdtalkwithjordanhalstead@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And with that, we will catch you guys here next time on Nerd Talk.